Good morning. Good morning, church family. Welcome to our home. We would say welcome to Westmead, but this is our house. But Westmead is the people, not the place. So we're glad you are here. Um, people are jumping online right now. So welcome to church on Sunday morning. We're glad you're here. There's Claire and Jax. Hi. Hi. And we are glad to see you guys. We, uh, had a few technical difficulties, so we were a couple of minutes late, but that's all right because we see people are jumping on board right now. So we're glad you guys are jumping in and joining us for church this morning. Um, I would say it's really good to see you, but we don't get to see you, but it's okay. We get to see you. All right. Sounds good. I uh, hope that everyone is doing well today. Hope everyone is... We're sideways. Oh, we're sideways? And everybody Everybody's else is saying we're sideways. Texting us, telling us we're sideways. Technical difficulties, right? I want to take just a minute to let our church know something very, very important. Um, something that I've been telling people individually in conversations, um, but uh, but something I want to make sure that our church knows that during this entire time of having to be online and having to do live streams and video our services and video our Bible studies, there have been two people who have been the MVPs of Westmead, and that is David and Jake Smith. Um, these guys have put so much time and energy and effort into uh, being at the church and operating cameras and operating soundboards and uh, making sure everything is live and making sure you can hear everything and making sure you can see everything. And um, as many of you known, this has been a process that we've been learning as we go because there's no real uh, script uh, for when our country goes under a pandemic. Uh, but those two guys have done everything they could to make sure uh, that we're able to stay connected. And I thank you, David. I thank you, Jake Smith for everything y'all have done to make sure that this type of thing can continue to happen. Um, so thank you guys, church. Whenever you get a minute, whenever we get back together, or if you have time this week, uh, just drop those guys a card, a text, a phone call, and let them know how much you appreciate their hard work to make sure that we as a church can stay connected. Uh, so I'm so thankful for those guys. Um, Jake, if you're out there, and I'm pretty sure you are, um, will you text my phone just to give us the green light to make sure that everything's good. Oh, he did? Yeah. He said oh. we're good. Thanks, Jake. You're good. You're great. So it's all good. Uh, my family's here. Uh, I'm hoping that you're gathered around your family uh, this morning as we participate in worship together. Uh, so in just a minute, my family's actually going to go to the back uh, to the bedroom and join on, jump on live with us and be a part of our church service. So um, I'm not distracted. Like Terrence said, I have dogs and kids and you never know what you're going to get and without cats. the, and we have cats, uh, and, that, and, hamster. and we have a hamster, uh, who's in a cage and I would hope it couldn't get out to, to, uh, interrupt us today. Um, but you never know in this house. So it's, uh, so it's all good, but, um, thank you for joining us. I'm looking forward to spending some time together with you and in the word. Typically when we're live stream, we encourage you to write in your questions, um, but not today, um, mainly because we're going to be streamlined and, and working on talking about God's word and some of the things that we find ourselves in and related to God's word. Um, but I always encourage you, if you have any questions or if you need anything, please contact our church office, text me, call me, uh, and let us know. Email us. 
uh, whatever we can do to meet your needs. So, guys, I'm yes. thankful that y'all are able to be here with us, but uh, we're fixing to dive in. So tell everyone bye. Bye. We're, we're not going anywhere. Just my family is. So bye. See y'all in a little bit. Bye. Make sure you take the dog. We don't need the dog. So it's all good. Church, it is good to get to be with you uh, in this environment. Welcome to my home. Um, I know this isn't a time where we can go and visit people's homes, but if this is the best we can do, then this is the best we can do. I, I just want to say that thank you uh, for letting us do church and have church this way this morning. Um, it's kind of my uh, fault. It's kind of personal, uh, if you will. We, we don't have music or anything today because we're live and because we're at my home. Uh, so this is kind of a selfish thing, I guess. So you'll have to forgive me for my selfishness, but, uh, we were thinking about it and I was like, you know, every Sunday our church family gets to have church in their home. Uh, and we do too. Uh, but there's a couple of reasons why we're doing it this way. One of the reasons I miss preaching on Sundays, like Thursday afternoons are great, but man, I miss preaching on Sundays. Uh, and at the same time, preaching to an empty room, I've told you before, is brings its own challenges. Uh, so this way, it kind of feels a little bit more personal. And, and I appreciate your willingness to jump online and be a part of this today. For those of you who have friends who, who missed the, the live stream this morning or are not able to be on live stream, we are going to download and upload this video to our website later so people can still have access to our time this morning. Just so you know, we're going to be using our Bibles, so you're going to need your Bible. Uh, I have my notes here, so there will be often times where I look down or, or reference it. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm just letting you know now. I've got notes, uh, so it's good. So uh, I encourage you to be a part of, of everything. But before we get started, I want to just say something. Um, you can sing, Rodney. Uh, I just want to say something. Uh, I am so thankful to Westmead. I am so thankful for our church, for how you responded to the first priority uh, 5K, the virtual 5K. Um, the fact that we broke our goal of 100 uh, and exceeded it was just awesome and reflective of how our people are engaged in ministry, how our people are engaged in, in pouring in the word into students and children in, in Morgan County and other areas. Man, I'm so thankful. And yesterday in the live stream, I was so excited uh, when they were rattling off the names of the best times, I heard Charlie Thomas, I heard Ashley Thomas, I heard Ray Breeden, I heard Paige Williamson, I heard all these Westmead people that didn't just participate, but man, you guys showed up and you won and I'm so proud of you and congratulations. And there were many other names that had best times or won door prizes or something. And thank you, Westmead, uh, for being a part of that. It was so encouraging uh, watching that live stream and seeing Larry and, and Jessica Franks did, did a great job, by the way, and do a great job leading that ministry. Uh, as they were just bragging on the people and, and you just kept hearing Westmead people's names and it was just so encouraging. So thank you, Westmead, for that. Uh, but today we're at my home uh, and yes, I'm wearing pants. Uh, I'm not wearing shoes, but I'm wearing pants. Somebody asked me that. Um, but we're at home. You know, when you're home, you're safe. Uh, you know, when we talk about the shelter at home and now we're at safer at home, it's one of these places where our home is our safe place. Uh, we can go and we can kind of unpack, we can relax, we can unwind because the craziness of this world we can leave outside uh, when we're at home. But when we leave home, we go into a, an uncharted territory, if you will, whether it's our jobs, whether it's our social circles, whether it's school, um, wherever we go, we never know what exactly is going to be waiting on us when we get there. 
And, and this morning, I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16, because I want us to look at this morning uh, in God's word just briefly, just for a little bit. I want us to look at the Israelites time in the wilderness, the wilderness. You know, has this time of isolation felt a little bit like a wilderness to you? I know it has for me. I know it has that wilderness feel to it. When you think about the Israelites and and how they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, um, it was it was very crazy. Uh, it was unknown. It was confusing. It was we didn't know what tomorrow was going to bring. We didn't know how much longer it was going to last in terms of the Israelites. Now they had a little bit more of a clue because God said, "Man, I'm going to make you wander for one year for every day." They spent 40 days scouting out the promised land, and then their doubt overwhelmed their faith. And God said, okay, well, I'm going to punish you. I'm going to give you one year for every day um, that you were there and that you doubted me. So for 40 years, they wandered. So they kind of had an idea. We don't really know how long our little wilderness, if you will, is going to last. You know, it's been about 50 days. It has been about 50 days since all of this craziness started. This is our eighth Sunday not meeting. I remember when all this got started and uh, the idea of, of asking people to not gather and people not to meet together. Uh, I remember pretty much the first couple of weeks they came out and said, hey, be prepared for this to last up to eight weeks or maybe even longer. And, and our response was like, ah, oh, no way. No way is this going to last eight weeks. That's ridiculous. I remember having conversations with some of our church people. Uh, and even I, I was the one too that I'm like, Man, there's no way this is going to last eight weeks. And it wasn't exactly that we knew what was going to happen. It was really just our idea of like, I don't want it to last eight weeks. There's no way this can last eight weeks. Uh, and that's kind of where our mindset was. Uh, so here we are. Uh, eight weeks later, eight Sundays that we haven't been able to meet together. And yet we're still physically connected. We're still, well, not physically connected. We're, we're still connecting. We're still staying united as part of the church uh, and getting to have time in the word and getting to have time uh, where we are united through the spirit of God. So I'm so thankful for that. In Exodus chapter 16, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to show you this part in the wilderness. Just a few verses here. I want you to see. Look at this in, in beginning in chapter 16, verses 1 through 3 of Exodus. It says, The whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt! There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Wow. All the Israelites. All the Israelites. I took some notes here uh, to share with you some, some, some things about the Israelites. Number one, we can see about the Israelites. They were a grumbling people. They were grumblers, man. And, and I know we just read that in verse 2, how they grumbled against Moses and Aaron. But they were a grumbling people. They grumbled in this chapter. They grumbled in verse 2, verse 7, verse 8, and verse 11. It says that the people grumbled or were grumbling. The Israelites grumbled under Pharaoh in Exodus 2. They grumbled at the Red Sea 
in Exodus 14. They grumbled at Merah in Exodus 15, when that's when they didn't have any water and God provided water. They grumbled at their leaders in Exodus 16. These people were grumblers. And why? Why were the Israelites grumblers? We would look back, we see the whole picture in front of us, and we would look back and say, man, why are these people grumbling? Haven't they seen the abundant hand of God moving in their presence in this entire journey? They're free. They're, they've been relinquished. They've been preserved from the plagues. They've been um, the, the, Red, the Red Sea. All of these amazing things have happened. Why are they still grumbling? Well, there's three simple answers to the question of why are they grumbles? And it can be done in one sentence. They're grumblers because they didn't get what they wanted when they wanted it, the way they wanted it. That's what make the Israelites grumblers. And you know what? That's that's what makes us grumblers. We didn't get what we want, when we wanted it, the way we wanted it. I mean, think about this. Think about the last time you complained or you grumbled. Maybe you're a parent and you put it more in the context of when your children are complaining or when the children are grumbling or, or whatever context it is. Think about grumbling. Isn't that typically what happens? Grumbling is caused by we didn't get what we want, when we wanted it, or the way we wanted it, or all three. These people were grumblers. Church, I'm going to be completely transparent with you. Last week, I was a grumbler. I was a grumbler last week, specifically on Tuesday. On Tuesday, we were in staff meeting uh, and we we turned on the live stream of our governor giving the update and report uh, to hear about what the next step was, what the first phase, what the first stage was in getting back to whatever it was we called normal. And when she came out and explained everything, I got really excited. Uh, but then her pastor came and spoke, and then she spoke to it and said, basically, we're not relinquishing the idea of gatherings higher than 10 or more and we encourage churches not to participate and gather in person. I was grumbling. I was a grumbler, man. And let me tell you what was even more crazy about it. Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I, I was just a, a grumbler. Because that's not what I wanted. That's not when I wanted it. And that's not the way I wanted it. It's the same way as the Israelites. They were grumblers. I relate to them. You know, it's easy for us to sit back and read God's word and be like, how could the Israelites do this? Just like we said a minute ago. But the truth is, the Israelites are a lot like us. We have more things in common with the Israelites than we have that separate us from the Israelites. I want us to look at a couple of things that as these people were grumbling, they were forgetting the most important part of the process. When I was grumbling last week, I was forgetting the most important part of the process. And the most important part is this. God's plan is always better. God's plan is always better. When I tell you we were in staff meeting and I was grumbling, you know what we were doing? In staff meeting, exactly during the time, like we stopped doing this so that we could watch the governor's report. We were literally working out the finer tuned details of how we get back to meeting together. We were walking through the specific jobs and tasks that we're going to ask our volunteers to do. And we were walking through logistics and semantics and, and how it's going to be possible and how we're going to be able to promote social distancing and keep our people healthy and keep our people separate. Like we were working through the finer details of that. What was that? That was our plan. We were focused on our plan, and we need a plan, church. I'm not knocking on having a plan, okay? And we have a plan. 
we've shared with you the bigger picture as the days go by and get closer to the day that we actually realize that we will meet. We'll start breaking some of that down more in minute details. But that's where my grumbling came from. I literally took my eyes off a dry erase board onto a screen and watched our governor say, you're not meeting this week. And we had really hoped we would be meeting today. I know many of you share that sentiment with me. We thought we would be meeting today. But that's not part of God's plan for us today. And we don't like that, but we'll get to that in just a minute. But that's the most important part of grumbling is because we get so focused on our plans, what we want, when we want it, the way we want it, that we forget about God's plans. And that's what God wanted to show these people. You know, when we talk about this isolation, we talk about the quarantine, the social distancing, the the, the shelter at home, or now the safer at home, you know, it, it realistically, it's not all bad. It's easy for us to, to pick out the bad parts in it and to be discouraged, but, but man, I've had some amazing conversations with our church members that have said, you know what, there's some really good things that have come out of this time of being at home. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I, we're sitting on our back porch and we're just talking. The kids were playing and, and my wife said, you know, I, I, I don't like where we are as a nation and, and where we are with all this virus and stuff. And nobody does. You know, she was just vo- vocalizing it. She goes, but I'm not going to lie. Like, I've really enjoyed this time of having our kids at home and having a, a time of renewal, this beautiful changing of the seasons where there's beautiful weather. We can be outside and we can do all these things. And and I agreed with her. It's, it's kind of one of these things where we don't like where we are, but it's kind of been really nice in certain areas to enjoy it. I've talked to some of our church people, and these are the things that they have said have been positive things that have come out of this COVID-19, this, this quarantine time. You know, I've talked to so many of our church families that have said, hey, you know what? Our family got back to having family devotions, that every day we're, in, as a family, in the Word of God together. As a family, every day we pray together. And maybe not exactly as our whole family, but but daughters and mothers and fathers and sons or, or parents and children. It's just the context, the the idea that, hey, now we're getting back to the place where we're spending time uh, or gathered around the context of God in some form or fashion in our family. I've heard people say um, that during this time, we've been able to refocus on our priorities. I've heard people say that during this time, I've learned what it means to be a neighbor. And, and if you remember um, when when Jesus said, when, at that time when he was questioned, they said, well, Jesus, who's my neighbor? And basically Jesus answered with, you know, everybody that God loves, that's your neighbor because you're called to love them too. So when they say, I've, I've learned what it means to be a neighbor, they're not talking about the people that live immediately to the left and the right of their house. They're talking about a community. They're talking about being someone to recognize people the way God loves them, the way God created them. I've heard people say things like, uh, during this time, we miss church and we're learning again how to value the church. I, I remember having some serious, encouraging conversations with people that are like, you know what, before this, we were just kind of, we came to church when we felt like it or when it was convenient. But like they said, after this is over, I can't wait to be back in church as much as I can. And not that there's anything holy or significant about that building, folks. Y'all know that. Y'all should know that by now. The church is the people of God. And what's the value that we miss isn't those walls, isn't that brick and mortar. What we're missing is the church, the people being together. And we recognize, and, and many people are now realizing the value we have of seeing our Sunday school class, We're, the value we have in 
being united in faith, being uh, standing in one room together with voices lifting the name of Jesus high. We're, re- we're reminded of that. We've been brought back to that truth of valuing the church. Some people have said during this time, it's been a good time to rest and repurpose. And I love how they worded that, rest and repurpose. A time to hit the pause button and just take a breath, but also repurpose to say, hey, what have I been building my life around? And maybe I got off track, or maybe I recognize that what I'm building my life around, it's not what I want to build my life around. And when this is over, I'm going to get back to doing what it is I I want to do, I feel called to do, what I'm gifted to do. I'm going to get back on track, or I'm just going to start over in a new place where I know where where I'm supposed to be. There have been people who said, I've used this time to slow down. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I've heard this a lot from families. Families who have who said, man, my life is so crazy because typically at this time of the year, we're running from baseball field to baseball field to softball field to softball field to soccer field to whatever field. And we just haven't had time to, to connect as a family. We haven't had time to enjoy one another. We haven't had time to celebrate the accomplishments. Why? Because we're just already moving on to the next thing. Now we're in this time, this this wilderness, where we don't have that option. We're at this place now where, where God is bringing us back to the place where mm, it's kind of more important to see the bigger picture here. You know, it's crazy when we think about all these things that we have, that we're enjoying now, that, that we're reminded of, that we're going back to. You know, we had every single one of these things before this pandemic started. You had your family, you had your home, you had your time together. It's just that we didn't value it. We had every single one of these things before this pandemic started. It's just now we're learning how to value it. Last weekend, I went to Mississippi to see my brother and to spend some time with him, help him out with some home projects and stuff. And while I was there, I actually watched TV. Yeah, that sounds weird. We're not big TV people in our house. It, it, we, we'll turn on the TV, but it'll be Netflix or it'll be something like that where we don't have to watch commercials uh, or something. We're just not TV watchers. Uh, I guess it was weird. It's like, hey, I'm going to visit my brother and we watch TV. Uh, and, you know, we, we did other stuff, but that was kind of background noise while we visited. But I noticed something on TV. And while I was there, there was commercial after commercial after commercial spotlighting and celebrating families. Commercials promoting community. Commercials telling its viewers, hey, reach out to your loved ones, reach out to your neighbors, reach out to those you care about, and just check on them. Make sure that you know you love them. And and, and, and for a while, it was like, oh, it's one another one of those commercials. But then I started thinking about these commercials, and I started listening to them and hearing them. And, and, and they were like restaurants encouraging people to have a meal with their family and they were retail stores talking about the most important thing of spending time with your family and and they were putting all these signals out and I remember thinking to myself three months ago they weren't advertising that three months ago those commercials didn't exist and, and yes we know those commercials exist now out of response to this pandemic but when you look at it we had every single thing that they're promoting now then. But back then, what were they promoting? They were promoting, take, buy this, eat this, come by our restaurant, come purchase this from us, come be our customer, promote, promote, promote us, promote our brand. Now what are they promoting? They're promoting family. They're promoting community. They're promoting caring about other people. And in, as Christians, in the context of our faith, we are called to care about other people so that they may see the love of Christ. 
and I look at everything that's going on around us. I talk to our Westmead members who have grown in the Lord and grown as a family and, and understood the calling and met their neighbors and connected with each other and found new ways to serve one another. I see these television commercials and I see all these things going on around me. And I ask myself, I can't help but ask myself this question. Do we really want to go back? Do we really want to go back? Now, now yes, hold that thought. Yes, we want to go back to church. And yes, we want to go back to work. And yes, we want to go back to, to having the options of these things that we enjoy. But I find myself guilty probably more than any of you making the statement of like, man, I'm just, I'm ready for things to go back to normal. Do we really want to go back? Do we want to go back to the way they were? Do we want to leave behind the family devotions? Do we want to jump right back in the rat race and get exhausted again? Lose our purpose? Do we want to neglect our loved ones and our neighbors except around holiday times? Do we want God? Do we want church to take a back seat again to our normal schedules? Do we want to go back? Do we need to go back? I want to go back to the idea. I just do. Well, I want to go back. No, I want to. I want to take us a step back just a little bit to to the wilderness and the Israelites. Why the wilderness? You know, the 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 Israelites were grumblers. They were they were asking the same question: Why the wilderness? Why are we having to go through this? It's in number. I think it's Numbers chapter fourteen. There was even a time uh, when they were grumbling, when they were complaining about the wilderness. Um, the Israelites actually came together and said, hey, you know what? Things weren't this bad when they were in Egypt. We're going to establish new leadership, and that leadership is going to take us back to Egypt. We're going back. But that's why they had that wilderness experience. And church, this might be exactly why we're having this wilderness experience. The expositor Philip Ryken said this, he said, going through the wilderness, talking about the Israelites, going through the wilderness was not necessary for Israel's salvation. But it was necessary for their sanctification. It wasn't necessary for their salvation, but it was necessary for their sanctification. See, the wilderness was designed to get the people out of the culture that had been dousing its ways on them and eventually that dousing of the Egyptian culture on them overwhelmed them and it became the normal. It became the expectation. It became what their lives were built around. This is, this is the reason why they were called to go to the wilderness so that they could remove from themselves the filth that the Egyptians had been poured on them, this way of life, this identity even. They had to get out of that and have a time of being sanctified from that so they could be reminded of who they were and whose they were to, in order to prepare them for the next step. The early church father, Clement of Rome, made this statement about the purpose of the wilderness in the Israelites' lives. He said this, After the Red Sea crossing, Moses by the command of God, whose providence is over all, led out the people of the Hebrews into the wilderness that God might root out the evils which had clung to them by a long-continued familiarity with the customs of the Egyptians. Wow. Suddenly the wilderness doesn't look so desolate. Suddenly the wilderness looks like 
a grand retreat reminding them of one of the most important lessons that they had forgotten. And that lesson was their dependency on God, their need for God, their passion for God. They had forgotten the faithfulness of God and what he had done in generations and generations before them. That God had to get them out of the culture they were in. And if you remember, they were in Egypt because of Joseph. If you remember back in the Old Testament fathers, um, when Joseph was there in the famine and Joseph's family moved in and, and the Pharaoh at the time gave Joseph a section of land and said, hey, this is where your, your descendants are to come. And this is where the Israelites and the, or the Hebrew people grew and grew and grew and grew and grew. And they became enslaved by the Egyptians. And Joseph and all of his ancestors had, pa- had passed away. And these people had forgotten and they had become slaves and they had gotten away from their identity and God said I'm going to lead you out into the wilderness not to punish you but to sanctify you we talked earlier about this this whole pandemic kind of feels like a mini wilderness experience and you know we could do the exact same thing that the Israelites did look at that look at that in verse 2 look at that in verse 3 of chapter 16 of Exodus if you're still there it says the Israelites said to them if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt There in Egypt, we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Mm, I think they're kind of forgetting what Egypt was actually about, which was the purpose of the wilderness. God took them out in the wilderness to forget about Egypt, to forget the pains and to forget the hard things. During this pandemic, it's been easy for us to sit back and think about all the great things that we miss. We think about... uh, Going to the movies, we think about so-and-so's baseball game, we think about sports, and hey, I'm, I miss these things too. There's nothing wrong with missing these things. But had we built our life around these things? Had we sold ourselves out to these things? Did these things become the focus of our time and energy and affection? Maybe this is the wilderness that God has called you on to remind you that you don't need those things. You need him and you need to get back to the place where we need God. Again, our salvation is not depending on the wilderness. Our sanctification is depending on the wilderness. It's easy to look back when you're in the wilderness and see the things we miss. So many times the Israelites looked back in the wilderness and said, man, why can't we just go back to Egypt? And I'm sure Moses, and there were several times even God you know, did a facepalm and was like, do you, do you even re- do you even remember? Do you remember Egypt, buddy? You were you were a slave, and you worked, and, and you weren't even allowed to worship your God, which is me. Like God was saying, you weren't even allowed to worship me, and you want to go back to that because you thought it was so great. Why was it so great? Because you're in a situation now where you're not getting what you want when you want it the way you want it. So you're going to go back to something familiar. And think it's going to be better? Church, we have to understand that in our faith journey, God is going to lead us. He's going to pioneer us into some great uncharted territories. Why? For his glory, for our good, and to remind us that he's the one leading. He's the one in charge. And to get us to the place where we once again are relying on him in all things. Trusting him in all things. When they're in the wilderness, it's easy to look back and see the things we missed. But most of these things that we missed are inaccurate memories of when we thought we were in control. The Israelites did it. We did it too. 
It's the same thing. But going back to the wilderness, I don't want us to just get hung up on the wilderness experience because we're in one now. The Israelites were in one. But what was waiting on the other side of the wilderness? Deliverance. Yes, the promised land, but not necessarily a physical destination. What was waiting on the other side of the wilderness was the deliverance that God was working with, the deliverance that God was providing, the deliverance that God was leading them to. And what was that deliverance? Beautiful, rich land, that was a benefit. But we see in scripture that when they crossed into the promised land, when they were delivered to the place, when God fulfilled his promise, when God fulfilled his covenant with Abraham, uh, that, that your people would be more numerous than the sands on the shore and more numerous than the stars in the sky, and that I will give you this land. When he made good on his promise, the people worshipped God. The people built their lives around worship. The people built their lives around acknowledging God and leaning on God. And yes, yes, on a long enough timeline, we know that they once again turned back. They went back to the way they wanted it, when they wanted it, and how they wanted it. And God had to do something else to get their attention there. I'm not saying this pandemic is God's punishment. I'm saying that in all things, God is working to bring us and our attention and our focus back onto him. His goodness, his glory, his grace, his faithfulness, his ability to never leave us nor forsake us. And sometimes he's got to take some things away to remind us of how good he is. Maybe during this time, this wilderness we can get to the place, and many of us already have, of recognized, man, this is who I need to be because of Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, when we talk about the wilderness, let's stop painting it with such a negative brush. When you go to the New Testament, when you go and you see the life of Jesus, you see his ministry begins, he gets baptized by John the, Bapti John the Baptizer, or we call him John the Baptist. And what happens right after Jesus is baptized? He goes on a 40-day journey into the wilderness. It's not that Jesus had taken his eyes off of God. It was that Jesus needed to spend some time fully devoted and dedicating himself to be trusting and fully dependent on God, the Father. If Jesus wants to do it, I need to as well. I'm willing to say you do too. So don't think of a wilderness as a punishment. Don't think of a wilderness as a uh, an experience that's miserable and it's just overwhelming and overpowering. See this wilderness, this mini wilderness, if you will, the one we're in right now, as a time for us to give up, to let go of the way we want things, to stop being grumblers and complainers and start recognizing, man, what if God is using this experience for his glory? It's our eighth Sunday not meeting together. We already established that. And it's easy for you to be like, well, Justin, are you saying it's God's will that we don't meet together? Please don't put words in my mouth. What I am saying is this. Maybe it doesn't need to be about the building or about the songs or about the color of the carpet or about who's sitting where or who's wearing what. Maybe we need to be reminded, as I believe we have, that when the church gathers, it's about the people coming together to uplift the name of Jesus 
above every other name, bringing glory to God the Father with our lips, with our service, with our hearts focus on his word in tithes and offerings, in our ability to fellowship together and to love one another with the love of Christ. That's where we practice it so we can go and live it out outside those walls. Maybe this time God is reminding us, God has brought us to a wilderness, not to punish us, but to get us to a place of reminding us, I'm all you need. Church, I'm saying we don't need to go back. We don't go back. We go forward. And we take what God has shown us and taught us during this time. And we apply it in how we continue to build our lives around him. We know in a few short weeks that we will get the green light to start meeting together. And church, I'm just going to tell you this now. Westmead's not going to look the same as we did before this pandemic started. That will be by design. That will not be as a result of a pandemic, it will be a result of God walking us through a wilderness and showing us the important things and the things that we value when we get back together. We're going to do these things on purpose. And it's not because of it's built into the program, but hopefully it's going to be because it's built into the people. That when God unites us again, the work that he's been doing in our lives individually while we've been separate, he's going to bring back together for some grand culmination of his purpose and his beauty reflected in us. I can't wait. But in the meantime, we're still got a little bit more of wandering in the wilderness. So let's wonder at how good God is. And let's wonder at what he's up to. And let's get excited about the deliverance that's waiting on the other side of this wilderness. So that he can be glorified in me. That he can be glorified in us as the body of Christ. That people look at Westmead Baptist Church, the name, and instantly are connected to the truth of the love of Jesus because of what Westmead Baptist Church, the people, have shown and taught them. Church, I love you and I miss you very, very much. But you know what? We got to get to the place where we can thank God for the situation we're in now. It's all throughout scripture. That's the purpose that we can thank God and give him glory for how good he is through whatever it is we face. So this morning, as we prepare to close in prayer, I'm going to voice a prayer of thanksgiving for this pandemic and not for the for the lives that have suffered from it. Please, please don't hear me. Please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. There have been very hard things that many, many families have faced during this pandemic. I understand that and I submit to that. I also trust that God's hand is, is, is faithful to provide peace and comfort for them in that. We have many of our church family that are going through hard things, not as a result from the pandemic, but some of the effects of the pandemic are affecting their suffering and affecting their ability to have things like funerals and, and be able to gather with family during this time. I'm not downplaying that church. But what I'm saying is, that we recognize and never lose sight of the fact that whether we are one of those who are suffering and going through a hard time because of this pandemic, or whether we're the ones who are frustrated because we're not getting what we want when we want it, the way we want it, or maybe we're just kind of taking it day by day, wherever we are, church, do not lose sight of a loving God who is passionately in pursuit of you for his great name's sake, for your good, for you to understand and for you to embrace and, ex and experience his faithfulness in whatever we're going through. I tell you every week, I love you and I miss you, church. 
understand the most important, the bigger picture. God loves you. He sent his son to die so that he might love you personally. God loves you. And he doesn't love you from a distance to watch you suffer. He loves you with a promising, comforting, fulfilling love that is incomparable to anything in this world. So it's okay if we're in a little bit of a wilderness. May God be praised and glorified by how we respond in submission and obedience to him during this time. I appreciate you taking time this morning and, and spending time in the word and spending time uh, together in the feet, at the feet of God. Let's now pray together and, uh, and thank God for the wilderness we're in, but help him to open our eyes to see who he is sanctifying and has sanctified us to be during this time. And let's ask him to give us strength not to go back to where we were, but to go forward for what he has for us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much just for the ability uh, to look into a, a camera and know that I'm connected to my church family. God, I thank you so much for your overwhelming, overwhelming ability to look into eternity and recognize uh, and give us an, an appreciation and and a companionship for your desire for us. God, there is nothing about us that is desirable other than your image that you put into us when you created us. And God, you're going to redeem what you create. And I don't understand that, Father. I sure am thankful for it. So God, forgive me when, when I get so focused on what I want, who I am, the way I want it, when I want things. God, forgive me when I'm so focused on my plans that I forget that you're still in charge. I forget that you still have a plan and your plans are never thwarted, God. I thank you for being that holy and just and righteous. God, I thank you for all the wildernesses that we will face in this life. I thank you for the Israelites uh, and how you uh, demonstrated your love and grace to them during this time. I thank you, God, that even in your word, you show us that they, too, had a desire to go back, that they misrepresented and misremembered the way things actually were because they were just so focused on when they were in control. God, I thank you for humbling them and leading them to the place where they recognized you as sovereign. God, I pray that you do the same thing for your church, capital C Church, all over the world today that you would use this for your glory and get us back to the place where we recognize our full need for you. God, I thank you for husbands and wives who are gathering today. I thank you for families that are gathering today. I thank you for the person that's even right now sitting by themselves and being a part of their church family. Father, I pray that you would bless them with your presence. God, that you would uh, enhance their time together of knowing that while they meet, they're meeting with you. And God, in all things that you would continue to lead our church family, lead the churches in Decatur, in Alabama, in our world. God, bring us back to the place where we fully rely and depend on you. And may we not look different. May we not go back to the way we were, but may we continue to move forward to the deliverance that is promised. God, help us to trust you in all things. Forgive us where we have replaced you. And God, thank you for restoring us through this time of the wilderness. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. Amen. Church, thank you so much for making uh, 
allowing me to have a part of your day. Thanks for coming into my home and spending time with me. I look forward to the day that we get to be together. Uh, and I hope in the meantime, you take very good care of yourselves. If there's anything you need that we can do, please contact the church office or any of us ministers individually. Um, we look forward to the day we meet together. Uh, and until that time, we will continue to find ways to be in God's word together. But uh, stay connected. Remember tonight, we are, we're almost done with Acts. We're, we're counting down the last few days of Acts. There'll be a, a video uploaded tonight of our Acts Bible study, as well as one this Thursday. And don't forget about our live stream this coming Wednesday night. I love you and I miss you. And I look forward to seeing you whenever that will be. There's always one last thing. When people are going offline uh, on Facebook Live, it's always that awkward silence and they have a weird look on their face. So I'm just going to keep on talking. 